John chapter 6 this morning, finishing up the story here. Alright, so John chapter 6, we started last week, we talked about how it begins uh, in the feeding of the 5,000 story, when Jesus walks on water, and then the people find him, and they um, start talking to him about manna, and but the, but the bread that has, God has given from heaven, um, and what was the connection there? Anybody remember how this is all one big story connected? Feeding 5,000... Manna, what's the similarity there? Miraculous bread, that's the similarity, okay? In Egypt, God miraculously sends bread, um, and here, five loaves miraculously feeds 5,000 plus people, 5,000 men, okay? So we've got miraculous bread, and our story ended in verse 35 last week saying, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Right? So you get to this point where Jesus is saying, I can give you the bread of life. It's, it's better than this manna that they ate in the wilderness. And not only can I give it to you, I am the bread of life. All right? So we're going to pick up in verse 35. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. Right? Who needs a Bible? Does anybody need a Bible? We've got extra Bibles over here. Just go grab one. It's cool. Um, or is there anyone closer by there? All right. Awesome. No problem. And so we're going to read John 6, starting in verse 35, and go from there. So Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, oftentimes we take these like Jesus's I am statements. You guys know the I am statements. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am uh, the shepherd, good shepherd. And we kind of take them out of their context and they make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But let's keep reading what is happening in context here. I am the bread of life. Verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to the Father unless it is or come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So we're going to save that last section until the very end here. So we hear at the end of our passage today, Jesus says, when many of his disciples heard it, or when John says when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? So I want to focus on that just at the forefront here, and then we're going to do a little work in the text by, in groups, and then we're going to conclude it. Okay, We don't have a lot of time, so we'll go quickly. Oftentimes, when Christians choose to follow Jesus, they can make the assumption that everything Jesus says is just going to agree with them. That like, I'm Jesus' buddy. He's my friend. He's my savior. I love Jesus. Of course he wouldn't say something that I disagree with. We just kind of go through life with this assumption that we're going to agree with Jesus on everything. But then we start reading our Bibles. Or maybe we hear a sermon. Or maybe we go to a Bible class in our high school or our college. And we start hearing things that Jesus actually said, like in our passage today. Hearing things that Jesus actually said, and our reaction is, wait, what? What did he just say? Jesus just said what? And, and we may not like it, because we don't understand it, or it doesn't really rub us the right way. It's confusing, it's harsh, it sounds unloving, it sounds unjust. How could Jesus say that? And it starts to challenge us. It challenges our view of how the way the world works, how we work, how God works. That's what's happening in our passage today, right? It tells us that Jesus is speaking to this crowd, and this crowd has a lot of people in it, but one of the groups of people are disciples. And it's not just talking about the 12. It's talking about all the people who, as Jesus was doing signs and miracles and teaching, they were starting to say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's me. I'm in that group. I'm following him. So there's a lot of people listening and following Jesus. But after Jesus says what he says here, he says they start grumbling. They're offended. Jesus, I thought that I knew you. 
I thought we were buds. I thought that I understood what you were talking about here. And then we even read in verse 66 that after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Because of what Jesus said, they said, I don't think so. I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. And the reality is this can happen to you too. This can happen to you too if you forget who it is that is talking to you when Jesus says these things. If you forget that Jesus is God in the flesh who speaks to you, you might say at some point too, this is hard. I don't like the way that sounds. I don't think I'm going to follow this guy anymore. You know, I've seen it happen many times, right? So I have many friends, friends who I went to Wheaton College with, right? You think, oh, Wheaton, Christian school, everybody's Christians. You sign something saying you're a Christian. When you go to the school, I'm a Christian. I have many friends from Wheaton who no longer follow Christ, okay? And it's because they have come up against the things that Jesus said. And while they accepted Christ when they were five or six or 10 or 15, and they went to church and they chose a Christian college and they went to their Bible classes, when they really came in contact with the words of Jesus, they said, I'm walking away. I'm actually going camping with one of them tonight. They claim to be Christians their whole lives, and when they hear what Jesus says, they walk away. And this is incredibly tragic. It's incredibly sad. And never have I seen it lead someone into more joy or more peace or more satisfaction with life. And I think it comes from forgetting who it is we're listening to. And not only does it come from forgetting who's talking, it comes from this desire to make God more like us than to let God make us more like him. Okay, so here's an analogy for you. Have you guys ever seen like a lifetime TV show of someone who has a really unusual pet, like a rhinoceros or a lion or, you know, a boa constrictor? And usually the way the story goes is, you know, when they're filming it, the story is like, Oh, I know. There's all these misconceptions about lions, like eating people. He's so sweet, really. Look, at, and then they, like, he's like on the couch, and they're like petting his mane. He's like eating a T-bone steak off their lap. Lions are really very sweet creatures. It's not in the TV show they show you this, but then you just read in the news later on, like, owner eaten by lion. <laughs> right? It happens. This is what it's like when we try to have that kind of a relationship with God. It's like us going out and getting a little lion cub, and they're this big. They're little cute, little roars, little purrs. You raise them, you name them Buddy. Come on, Buddy. Pet them. It starts getting a little fluffy mane. It's so cute. And what happens when that lion starts acting like a lion? It starts putting big scratch marks across the wall starts growling at you when you walk into the room because he sees food, not an owner. We're hurt. Buddy, how can you treat me this way? I've, I've raised you your whole life. I love you, buddy. Why are you acting like this? Because we're trying to domesticate a lion. We're trying to make this lion into a house cat. And when the house cat isn't a house cat, it's really a lion, we're offended when it starts acting like a lion. And that's exactly what happens when people have that relationship with God. Jesus, I thought I knew you. We were buds. Like you said, if I believed in you, you'd save me. My life would be happy and go well. And now you're saying, eat my flesh. I don't know about that. 
Jesus, can you just tone, tone down the whole eat my flesh thing a little bit? And we try to domesticate him. We try to make him someone that's my friend, someone I can understand, someone who's there for me when I want them to be there for me, who doesn't say weird things. Kind of like a pet that when it does something naughty, you say, no, bad cat, don't do that anymore. And they run and they hide from you until you go get them out of the corner and you pet them. You're like, okay, we're friends again. Just don't spit up on my pillow anymore. We want a God like that. A God that when we say, no, don't do that, they run away and hide for a little bit until we say, it's okay, so long as you obey my rules, God, then we'll be okay. But God doesn't want to do that. God won't do that. God is a lion, okay? And unless we respect him as a lion, we're going to get to a place where we say, I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to send you back to the zoo. I don't want to have anything to do with you. That's what's happening in our passage. And that's the question that we will be asking this passage because not only does it happen back then, it happens every time we read Jesus' words. Every time we read Jesus' words, each and every one of you has a decision to make. Are you going to let Jesus be Jesus and take him at his word? Or are you going to say, I would rather have a safer Jesus who's not quite like this and I'm going to take out the words I don't like or I'm just going to altogether walk away because I don't follow a Jesus who confuses me or who challenges me. So we're going to get into the passage now, okay? And here's what I want you to do. In groups of three, all right, and let's make sure that we've got like older guys with younger guys, older gals, younger gals. Don't leave our sixth graders hanging here, okay? Um, and I want you to look back at what Jesus says in verse 35 to 59, and I, I said, make a list of four things said by Jesus here that you would say are hard sayings. So our goal this morning isn't to say, you know, what Jesus said actually isn't hard. If I just tell you what it means in Greek, then it's actually really fluffy and nice and it makes you feel good. That's not what I'm going to say. It's actually hard. Okay. So make a list of four things that Jesus says that are hard sayings. Maybe they rub you the wrong way. They confuse you. They make you upset. Groups of three, you got uh, 10 minutes, eight minutes, and then we'll get together and we'll just make a little list and then we'll talk about those things, all right? Go. It says, results in two responses. This is what we keep seeing in John. The first response is these disciples and they say, we're out of here. I don't want anything to do with this guy. And so Jesus, at the end of the passage, look at verse 67. He says to the 12 disciples, he turns to the 12 that he has chosen, and he says this, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now real quick, why talk about Judas here? I think it's to back up this fact that when Jesus says, only those the Father allows to come, come to me, he's saying, I know that one of my twelve isn't going to follow me. Just so you guys know, like, this isn't a mistake. This isn't that God called Judas and the plan got messed up. I knew from the beginning Judas wasn't going to keep following, okay? But here's the question for us. How are you going to respond to Jesus' hard words? Are you going to respond the way Peter does? This is the big question. Lord, to whom shall we go? 
If you reject Jesus, you're going to follow someone else. We're all followers. You follow some person or some ideal or some worldview, and if you reject Jesus, you will follow someone else. Where are you going to go? And do they have the words of life? Simon Peter recognizes that Jesus is the only one, though his heart words are hard, they are the words of eternal life. And so they are believing them, and they will follow him as the Holy One of God. How about you? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Simon Peter's response here. We know that this was not the end of the struggle for Simon Peter, that he had a lot of hard days ahead of him. But we also know that this response is one that is only brought about by the Father calling Peter to be one of those who chose Jesus and followed him. So we pray, Lord, that we would be those people as well, that the Father would call us to follow Jesus and to know that there is no one else who has the words of eternal life and to believe and to not walk away when we hear hard things. For those who are struggling with the hard things of Jesus, I pray that we would have the blessing of getting to work through those together and see them come to genuine faith in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.